Hello, this is Heartstock Radio, and I'm your host, Carol Murphy. Today, our guest is Amy Hall. She's the president and founder of Impactorum. And in just a moment, Amy will be with us and we'll hear her story. I'd also like to remind you that you can find us on Facebook and we post our upcoming shows there and recordings of our previous programs. You can also email us at heartstockradio at gmail.com. This is Heartstock, and I'm your host, Carol Murphy. Clark Grant is in the studio. In just a moment, Amy will be with us. Thanks for listening. Good evening. This is Heartstock Radio. I'm your host, Carol Murphy. Today, our guest is Amy Hall. She is the president and the founder of Impactorum. We'd like to share her story with you. Uh, she's had a lot of experience in the world of s- sustainability. Hi, Amy. How are you? Hi, Carol. I'm great. Thank you so much for having me today. Thank you for being on Heartstock. Can you give our listeners a little intro here as to what is Impactorum and what what is it that you do there? Yes, I'd be happy to. Uh, Impactorum is a consultancy that supports early stage purpose-driven businesses and early career professionals as they transition to greater environmental sustainability and social impact through their work. It's pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. So if I'm your client, kind of give, give our listeners a rundown of, of what your system is like and your typical, I guess maybe your ideal client. What is it that they come to you for help with? Sure. My clients are a mix of individuals or and early stage businesses who are um, trying to um, increase their environmental sustainability or circularity work or social impact work. And what I offer them is thinking partnership, sounding board, um, advisory services. You know, sustainability can be a very lonely pursuit. Uh, I think a lot of us assume that it's pretty straightforward. You, you know, order better materials, you maybe change your processes. But in fact, it's really a whole palette of change management. You have to convince your um, customers, your business partners, your employees, et cetera, that there's a better way to go about doing things. And because of my nearly three decades of experience working for a major brand, apparel brand, I've learned a lot about what it takes to to help that change management move along, how to influence people, how to help people think outside the box, think differently about what they're doing. And so I can um, provide support to individuals who are, in, who are in roles, sustainability roles within companies, or those who are trying to break into this career to uh, find their voice, to find their strength and find their power. So it's really about, more of like a coaching and advisory relationship that I have with my clients. Yes, and I would like to delve a little more deeply into that. But first, 
What led you to this work and what did you do before Impactorium? I actually am still with Eileen Fisher, um, although I'm working there um, on a limited basis. But I have been with Eileen Fisher for 27 years where I founded and developed what we now call social consciousness. So it is the company's commitment to environmental sustainability and human rights in its products and practices. And for those who aren't familiar, Eileen Fisher is a women's clothing company that wasn't founded with very strong commitments to environmental sustainability or human rights. It added those commitments later on. And I was part of that whole process of kind of shifting the company to, you know, how it approaches that work today. So that's what I've been doing for now nearly three decades. Um, And prior to that, I was in the nonprofit field working as a fundraiser for a few different nonprofits in New York City. The the first question that comes to my mind is why. And and there's a couple of why questions that I think are really interesting that would be helpful for us to, to explore. And one of those is why is it so important that clothing and clothing lines become more sustainable? And why did Eileen Fisher go in this direction it, it, so early on? It seems like she was ahead of the game on this or in this regard. Well, gosh, okay, those are a couple of big questions. You know, I think most of us who buy clothing and wear clothing, which is, I hope everybody is listening, <laughs> kind of really never look under the hood to see how the clothing is made and where it comes from. We kind of assume, oh, it's made from natural fibers, cotton, linen, wool, those things are grown in nature. How bad can they be, right? My clothes are made out of those things. They'll go back to the earth or if we even think about what happens to them at the end. But in fact, there's a tremendous amount of waste generated both by the making of clothing and then by the discarding of clothing after we've finished uh, wearing them. And the production of clothing itself is incredibly toxic to the planet and to the people who are in those supply chains. There are dozens of people who touch each one of our garments along the way, from the farmer to the dyer to the weaver to the sewer, the presser, etc., and dozens of different kinds of uh, processes that add toxins to the clothing, whether it's at the fertilizer level or the dyeing level, the finishing level. So um, each one of these touch points is both, um, you know, a, a, it adds something like a pollutant to the garment, but also provides an opportunity to clean up the process and to also improve the well-being of the people along the way who are involved in that in the making of that product. For Eileen Fisher, you know, like most companies of at the time, you know, that company was founded in the mid eighties and Eileen and her colleagues at the time weren't thinking about the supply chain. They were just thinking about making some great clothes that, that women would want to wear. And it wasn't until the mid nineties when this kind of idea of sweatshops came out in the news and started to open our eyes around, gosh, we hadn't really thought about the people who were making our clothes. We were just providing orders to the factories and the clothes came back to us. So that was 
maybe our first entree into this world of social impact. And although we were founded with a commitment to natural fibers, like I said, there's a lot of a lot about natural fibers that actually isn't very good for the earth, it, particularly if those fibers are grown with chemically intensive um, pesticides and fertilizers. So it was later, like in the early 2000s, when we started to really think about about those inputs. And it wasn't until around 2012 or 2013 when we drastically started to change our material sourcing to eliminate as much as possible the negative inputs that we were now recognizing to be present in our fibers. So um, it's been a long journey and, and it's the same with many other companies who have tried to go down this path as well. So being kind of a, an early adapter <laughs> of the sustainability movement within the fashion realm, why, why, why was, why, what was it that was so different at Eileen Fisher that allowed this change to take place? And it seems like similar brands are either just now starting or haven't even started at all. I uh, haven't attempted this. I, I would imagine it was incredibly challenging and difficult. You know, yes, it's been, thank you. It is, it's, it's, it has been, it was challenging and difficult. It continues to be challenging and difficult, even at a company as enlightened and as progressive as Eileen Fisher is, because changing systems and processes doesn't happen overnight. It's not necessarily the cheapest route, and it's not the simplest route. So what happened for us? Um, first of all, you know, a lot of people inside the company were starting to realize um that our products were contributing to pollution, waste, carbon, et cetera, and to difficulties or challenges that our workers were having in the workplace. We were starting to recognize that. And as human beings, I mean, businesses are comprised of human beings. We couldn't turn the other way. And we happen to have a very compassionate leader in Eileen herself. And she very much supported the notion of doing whatever we could to start to make change happen in our supply chain. That said, it it's not like, you know, having her just say, yes, go for it. It doesn't mean that everybody is 100% on board all of a sudden. And so there's a, there has been a whole process of, of change within the company and also within our supply chain. You know, every single person involved has to understand for him or herself why this is important and what it is um, that his or her role is in this whole process of change. And each one of those thought processes requires a particular conversation, a particular revelation, a personal way into it. You know, it's not like everybody, you call a meeting and you make this announcement and then everybody's fine with it. They each have to come to terms with this themselves. Mm -hmm. So we just happen to have a very progressive and visionary leader at the helm who provided the space for this to happen, for this change to happen. I would really love to talk about what that experience was like for you, both 
before joining Eileen Fisher and then your process within the company, how did mm-hmm. you achieve um, the level of sustainability that that the company is known for now? Yeah, so there are a few different important factors. One is just hiring really great people who have shared values. You know, it's one thing to hire for skill set, and it's another thing to hire for values and culture fit. Both are important. And over the years, we paid more and more attention to the values and culture fit alongside the skill set. So that was very, very key. Another piece of it was um, really learning this uh, notion of systems thinking, which was brought to us by another consultant um, back around the year 2013. And what that taught us was uh, the designers, you know, up to that point were kind of working on their own. The manufacturing team was working on its own. Yeah, there was a handoff between the two, but they didn't really uh, work together um, according to more of a shared vision. And what we did was we brought uh, a cross-section of people uh, from a variety of teams in the company. We took them, brought them together for about three days to an off-site meeting and created a shared vision around how we wanted the planet uh, to be for our children and grandchildren and then took a step back and said, so what does that mean for us as a company? What's our relationship to that shared vision? And then what are the commitments we can come to together? So rather than have my team, the social consciousness team, basically create the vision and then hand it out and say, hey, you, come join us. We all shared in the creation of that vision. And then um, there was no convincing that had to happen. We were on board from day one. Everybody was uh, at an equal playing, playing level. And all we had to do was figure out, well, what kind of goals are we going to set to achieve this vision? And what's my team's role in helping to get to those goals? And then created some kind of annual metrics that helped us track our progress along the way. And that happened for design, it happened for manufacturing, it happened for um, uh, merchandising and sales, um, facilities, all different teams in the company started to understand their role. And that was really, really important. We began to see ourselves as part of a, a unified system rather than kind of a my team against your team or my team working alongside your team. We were really working together. Mm. Sounds inspirational. We're at that halfway point. We're going to take a little mini break here in just a moment. We will be back with Amy Hall. This is Hard Stuff. This is Hardstock Radio, and we are speaking with Amy Hall of Impactorum. Hi again, Amy. Hi, Carol. So fast forward here now. Uh, when did you decide that you were going to found Impactorum? And 
what what was your your mission and has that changed at all? So as I said, I've been with Eileen Fisher now for 27 years. And for the last few years, I have been really thinking a lot about how do I take what I've learned and support other businesses, other entrepreneurs, other social enterprises, other individuals um, to maximize the kind of impact they want to have in their work, the way that we've been able to do inside the company. And as, as luck would have it, um, the pandemic struck this, this past year, 2020, and uh, Eileen Fisher scaled back a lot of its practices and workforce because uh, we were having a lot of revenue challenges. So I thought, gosh, this is the moment that I can now pursue this dream of mine to really apply my knowledge outside of Eileen Fisher and help others make meaningful environmental and social impact inside their own places of work. So I, I took the time I needed to uh, craft the vision, um, set up a website, figure out how I was going to market myself, et cetera. And I just started doing some outreach. You know, it's, it's kind of an organic process, but that's what's happened. Oh, and then I thought, you know, I'd really love to um, inspire people to think differently, even if they're not coming to me as a client. So how can I do that? And I decided to set up a webcast, which I call Impact Matters. And it's um, a series of monthly conversations that explore how others think about impact. They could be from any field, any industry, any type of work. Um, and I've had, I think, six so far. So it's one a month. Um, just started them in the mid, mid-year. Um, but I have more coming up in 2021. And they're free. And, you know, if they inspire people to really consider how they themselves can shift their work, shift their approach to life, et cetera, then, then I've done my job. Then I feel really good. Yes. And um, that, that silver lining to the COVID cloud and the disruption that's taking place in retail and clothing and fashion as well. Um, has COVID continued to impact what you're doing, either at Eileen Fisher or at Impactorum? Well, I would say that my work at Eileen Fisher continues on a limited basis and, you know, it's gotten a little bit more focused. We don't have uh, quite as many resources as we would like to. So we're trying to stay very focused on what's the most essential work going forward. And parallel to that with Impactorum, I'm noticing that a lot of people are wanting to make career shifts. They're really seeing this moment now as an opportunity to to land their kind of their life's work, to really uh, move into something more purposeful. And I'm getting a lot of inquiries from individuals who are making career shifts or who are um, creating their own businesses to drive more sustainability, you know, to to really lead to um, a healthier um, planet for their for their children and grandchildren. And I think that is another silver lining of the COVID pandemic. People are recognizing how connected we are, not just to each other, but to the planetary systems, um, and wanting to play a more meaningful role in that. Yes. So 
That's a great segue into the next question that I'm hoping we can kind of share with our listeners the reality of the fashion industry as it is now. I'm getting the sense that there's a lot of consumer confusion. Uh, How do I spend my money more wisely? I love Amazon and I love the convenience of buying a t-shirt for $5 and it being on my doorstep two days later or a day later. But really, really, how do I, either as a, a, a fashion brand or as a consumer, how do I make it work? How do I make it uh, different and better? Well, there are lots of different things. You know, it, thinking about that question, even, even trying to answer the question as a consumer, I mean, I'm myself an, um, a consumer and I do occasionally shop on Amazon, but I try to make that my last resort. Um, I have friends who work at Amazon, and I don't mean to negate the important work that they're doing. Um, Amazon does have a growing commitment to sustainability itself. But but I think that there are a, a few ways that we as individuals can make a difference. One is to to wear our clothes as long for as long as possible. And I don't mean more hours in a day, but I mean for more months, more years if possible. When we're making a purchase, really think about how much do I love this item and how many times will I actually wear it? And, you know, I would say if you can say 20 times or more, then maybe it's worth buying that item. And then once you're finished with it, don't just discard it, but either try to find somebody else who will wear it, whether you hand it down to somebody or you sell it on a, on a vintage clothing website like Poshmark or a thread up, things like that. And, that you try to avoid throwing your clothes into those uh, collection bins that we often see, you know, in sides of parking lots, et cetera. But try to find organizations that that will upcycle or recycle them responsibly. Um, and doing a little research on the internet for places in your area um, could be very, very helpful. The idea is to try to um, keep the clothes in use as long as possible before they get shredded or discarded um, into landfill. So essentially, we're not burning up our resources at a faster and faster rate beyond the carrying capacity of our planet, essentially. Oh, that's such an excellent way to summarize that. Yes. (laughs) Um, And then as as a fashion brand, um, you know, if, if if they're listening out there in fashion world and fashion land, oh my gosh, um, you've you've been through this, you've experienced it firsthand. Any advice? What what do you think is the most important? Is it um, the circularity, like Eileen Fisher? She's taking clothes back. Is it the supply chain? Where where does one begin? So, as a fashion brand. My recommendation would be to actually try to map your supply chain. Just try to understand not just where the things were made, but where did the inputs come from? And once you do that, then you can start to um, narrow your focus down to uh, where you want to dive in. Do you want to dive into the materials? Do you want to dive into the people? Do you want to dive into the dyes or the carbon? But you have to know where things are coming from before you can figure out where to where to dive in. You can't do it all. And just choosing one place to start 
is the best thing that you can do. Mm. I like the the adage, start where you are and do what you can. Mm. Go from there. That's right. That's right. <laughs> We're going to make ourselves crazy if we worry about all the things we can't do. Just start mm-hmm. with one thing yeah, and yeah. that's the best thing you can do. Indeedy. So what what lies ahead? If you had a, a magic wand to wave, probably we've, we've got quite a bit of time, actually. We've got probably about five minutes ahead of us here. What, what lies ahead for you and Impactorum? And then, yeah, let's just start there. Well, for Impactorum, we are still very early stage. So um, I anticipate that uh, for 2021 and beyond, I will uh, both continue to host the Impact Matters webcast, but I'm also starting to uh, have conversations about um, showing up um, with shorter uh, little posts on Instagram or possibly Facebook or elsewhere um, with the intent to continue to raise awareness about what real impact looks like on an individual and a business level. And at the same time, to continue to serve clients, whether they are individual clients or business clients who are committed to making lasting change. And they don't have to be apparel. They can be any kind of uh, business that is thinking, wants to think differently about uh, what its legacy will be in terms of its environmental footprint or its social impact footprint. Um, once, you know, the systems and the processes are really similar, whether you're an apparel company, a book publisher, or some other kind of, of business, um, I'm there to support people to think differently about how to drive impact in their organizations. It does seem that it all starts there, right? That was kind of your advice earlier also, is just become aware and know the impacts and um, yeah, then just starting from there. And is there anything that um, you see for the future for fashion brands in particular? Um, I, lots I, of companies yeah. going online that weren't before. That's for sure. Yeah. The good news is that I'm seeing um, increasingly new fashion brands that are starting from day one with a commitment and an intent around doing the right thing. It's not about kind of turning the ship after it's already left the dock. So, um, which I would think is much harder. It is absolutely harder. I mean, there are pluses and minuses to both because even as a small business, when you're first starting out, you don't have the resources usually to, to do everything you'd like to do, um, kind of in the right way. But, um, being very thoughtful about their suppliers, being very thoughtful about the materials, being very thoughtful about how much you pay your workers. All of that are, are you know, decisions that can be made early on. And um, I'm really very, you know, inspired to see so many um, new businesses starting off with these commitments. And I think as they start to grow, that's where, you know, new challenges uh, crop up, staying committed to values as you grow your supply chain, as you look for um, efficiencies of scale, um, it changes the equation a little bit. And But with every new challenge comes new opportunities. And I, I really do feel that going forward, we're going to continue to see 
um, uh, greater attention to um, to the planetary impacts of apparel. And I also think that customers are becoming more aware as well. Mm-hmm. Ten years ago, customers weren't thinking about these these things at all. They really weren't considering um, where their clothes were coming from. But today, yes. they're asking a lot of great questions. We're all doing better. <laughs> yes. Because- and how might our listeners find you, Amy, or contact you? Um, the easiest way is through my website, which is www.impactorum.com. And I'm also on LinkedIn. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being on Heartstock. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. This is Carol Murphy, your host. And thanks for listening to Heartstock. We shall see you next week. Peace. Heartstock Radio is a production of KBMF 102.5 Butte America Radio. Hear our programs every Friday at 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time via live stream at butteamericaradio.org. As I went walking, I saw a sign.